Hello, Hawks fans. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am Tim Ogles. I'm Mikey Kabrinsky. And today we'll be breaking down the Atlanta Hawks loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, 132 to 121, and preview the upcoming game against the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. Now, this game against the this game against the Bucks, the Hawks played another offensive slugfest. Uh, you know, many many of these Atlanta games, especially without Jalen Johnson now, are going to be these types of offensive juggernaut games where you the Hawks are going to have to try to outscore their opponent most nights to win the game. And unfortunately, uh, they weren't able to do that, uh, lose, losing when this when they scored 121 points. Um, overall, I thought the Bucks did a really good job of making the Hawks fall into their trap, and their trap being drop coverage. A lot of the a lot of people around the NBA know that the Milwaukee Bucks play one of the most extreme drop coverages out of any team in NBA history. Brooke Lopez especially sits back in that paint, and that 18 to 20 foot mid range shot for elite guards is going to be wide open. Trey Young, Dejounte Murray, both of them had great offensive games. They took advantage of that, and while making those shots, credit to those guys uh, was great. The Hawks didn't get up enough threes to keep up with the high octane offense for Milwaukee. All these mid-rangers were going in, but it wasn't enough to score. It wasn't enough to win with this Hawks defense while scoring 121 points, especially just specifically against the Bucks. And when you only take 13 threes in the first half, that, that shows you. Another, another main point that I think re- really kind of hit the Hawks was Onyeka, we saw – uh, Hawks fans saw a lot of Onyeka Kangu and Clint Capella playing together. That specifically started in the second quarter. Unfortunately, the Hawks couldn't score when both of those guys were on the floor. Kangu wasn't making his threes, and the, the spacing and pace was a little bit down. Uh, but when Capella was on the floor by himself, you had Giannis Antetokounmpo killing, killing the Hawks, who ultimately had a 30-point triple-double in this game. But when you only had Onyeka Kangu in the game, the Hawks got killed by Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis with their size down low. So really it was kind of pick your poison uh, if you're Quinn Snyder with those with those two big lineups. And unfortunately, without Jalen Johnson, the Hawks didn't have a kind of go-to front court that had an established offensive rhythm or defensive rhythm during the contest. Yeah, Mikey, I feel like in this game, the, the Hawks, there, there was a lot of back and forth. And, you know, looking at, the, the box score and, and kind of seeing what went on. There were 17 lead changes. This game was tied nine times. The largest run of the game was at the very end of the game. Um, the Hawks had to lead uh, a lead of six points three separate times of this game. Uh, uh, looking at some of the overall broader stats, like Milwaukee has 16 turnovers. The Hawks had uh, 11 steals. And the points in the paint, that was a big emphasis for me during this game. And I remember a Sadiq Bay play, for, uh, watching it, and I was like, what is he doing? He, he left Bobby Portis to go help in the dunker spot by himself. It, it made no earthly sense. The Hawks lost the fast break points, 21 to 10. And the assist total, they lost 33 to 23. Um with all those things combined, you, you're just not going to win games. And I, I think that the Hawks will figure it out. 
How quick? I don't know. Jalen Johnson's been missed, and, and you could definitely tell it in this game. Yeah, and you, you made a great point there. I know the clip that you're talking about and where Sadiq Bey just kind of let Bobby Portis get, get a load in the dunker spot for, for an easy layup. Uh, that, that play specifically kind of just shows you the, the weak back line uh, that you have, that the Hawks have when Bogey, when Bogey's in the game at the point of attack, Sadiq Bey at the back line. Uh, th- those guys, it, it's, often rough. it's often rough for the Hawks. And, you know, one, one stat that, that really looks good on the surface, uh, Hawks had 11 steals. Uh, the, that's, a, that's a great number. Atlanta right now has three guys in the top 20 in steal rate with Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and DeJounte Murray. And that's, that's great. But when you have a lot of negative point of attack defenders, which Atlanta has, getting into these passing lanes is good, but it shouldn't be the priority because people are just going to s- start blowing by those negative defenders when you can't get those steals. And unfortunately, that's looking like the case a lot of times for the Hawks over the past few weeks. In the, in the start of this game, both teams started off hot. Uh, three, both teams, three or four from deep, and Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, like I said in the intro, immediately started to recognize the extreme drop, drop coverage early. Um, for the Bucs, Middleton uh, got off in the first quarter, 10 points. Uh, and Bobby Portis off their bench was huge in the first frame. He started off 5 of 5 from the field, was their team's leading scorer. And both teams stopped 70% for the majority of that first quarter. So right away, Hawks fans, as expected, knew they were going to be in for an offensive slugfest. Yeah, and, and for the in the first quarter, the Hawks have normally struggled. And this first quarter, they didn't struggle. They came out and brought the fight to Milwaukee. And it was refreshing to see. Um, I think that DeAndre Hunter getting, you know, making a concerned effort to get to the rim. Um you could tell in his stats, he, he didn't even put up a three into the second half, which isn't a great overall stat for him. But him being conscious of, of getting to the rim is something us Hawks fans have talked about for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's refreshing to see, for sure. Yeah, a lot of the criticism on Hunter, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has been – can he consistently play off the catch like Quinn Snyder's always preaching? And we've seen that adjustment from uh, DeJounte Murray. Uh, he, a, a lot of Hawks fans have said, you know, they, they want him to go to the basket a lot more. And I think, I think we are seeing that, uh, especially, off, especially off the catch off the wing. DeJounte is really attacking the basket well. And this game, when you're playing against Brook Lopez and the drop coverage, you're going to pull up for that 18 to 20 foot signature shot that DeJounte has. And that's why you see him shooting so efficiently in this game. You know, shot thir- he shot 12 of 19 from the field and ended with 30 points. That's that's going to happen against the Bucks, but unfortunately unfortunately it just it just wasn't enough three-point volume in my opinion for the Hawks especially in that first half to counteract the bad defense from the Hawks and the elite offense uh from the Bucks. Yeah, and you know, Trey, Trey Young's probably one of the best drop coverage killers in the league. Yeah. His floater game and his step back three, like, you, it's pick your poison with, with him playing drop. And I wonder, and I think you kind of covered it a little bit, but I wonder if that's part of Milwaukee's strategy is to get us into the mid-range. Because mm. 
we we only got up 13 threes in the whole first half of this ball game and that's not a number that Quinn Snyder would be remotely satisfied with and I, I, if that was Milwaukee strategy it's a pretty good one because they kind of baited us into taking the twos instead of finding the threes yeah and I know if, if I know Quinn Snyder and, and what he's what he said at media day what he's preached throughout this season he was probably in that halftime locker room saying guys we got to get up more threes uh yeah 13 13 threes just not going to cut it and uh specifically just the shot chart and the the shot volume that the Hawks took it reminded me a lot of a style of similar to a Nate McMillan offense uh, especially the beginning of of last year when DeJounte first came here when we were shooting all those mid-rangers yeah, going into the the second, own Capella lineups to start the, the second. Um, me personally, I, I think those lineups can work, but you have to have a Nyeka Akangu hitting the three pointer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, definitely when he's getting them. I know he later on in the game when that lineup came back in, he, he had two really good attempts at it. Um, if he's not hitting those, though, it, it's causing the, the power forward. Whoever's in on the floor at the time to really sag on that shot to to protect the paint and, and it kind of limits you from getting to the rim and then therefore forcing you to shoot that three ball. Yeah, the and especially with the Bucks, uh, the length that they have. If that's Giannis Antetokounmpo helping for helping from the weak side to get a block and Brook Lopez on the ball protecting the protecting the rim. I mean, those are two elite shot blockers that the Hawks would have had to deal with if they wanted to drive with Onyeka and Clint Capella in the game at the same time. So really that lineup while on paper was definitely going to be needed to run just to see, you know, with how well Akangu was defended Giannis uh, at the, uh, throughout his career. But um, at the same time, you know, the, the Hawks couldn't score on, on offense with that lineup. And unfortunately, you know, the Bucks kind of pulled away from one of their first leads uh, at for one of their biggest leads at seven, 50 to 43 to start that second quarter. Trey, Trey with with 20 points and DeJounte Murray with 18 in the first half, both of them kind of show that those stats show, you know, they, they dominated, they dominated the shot attempts. And that's like I said earlier, playing to Milwaukee's trap. We we just couldn't we just couldn't spread the spread the ball around enough to where they had to completely pull out, stop their drop coverage and say, okay, we need to stop these threes from going in, or we need to stop the drives from the basket to uh, from Trey Young because he's dishing to Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, so credit to the Bucks there for, for sticking with their defen- defensive philosophy, and it, and it works so far. Something that I have noticed also with this Hawks team is that the on-ball defense has been the majority of the problem. And definitely out on the perimeter. Um, I think that when, you know, guys like DeJounte, and this could be something Quinn Snyder has talked about, you know, with his team that he's been, you know, kind of harping on his steals, get us in transition. And whenever DeJounte goes for a steal, it leaves us at a disadvantage. And definitely on the point of attack. So we have to have a guy step up there. And most of the time, that guy's DeAndre Hunter. And DeAndre Hunter is always guarding the best wing. 
So who moves over to the best wing? It ends up being Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay has been atrocious on defense. Um, I have talked about this a lot, and I will continue to talk about it until he becomes a better team defender. And I thought he was a whole lot better in the in the second half, but that first half was just bad, 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 bad. Yeah, specifically with Bay in that first half, if he's not getting three point shots up and he's not taking, he's not getting offensive rebounds, scoring the ball, being aggressive on that end, his defensive his offensive strengths don't make up for his defensive defensive deficiencies. So that's what we need for Sadiq. And in the third quarter, we saw that. Well, Sadiq Bey was the catalyst, really, for an 11-4 to Hawks run right out of the gates out of halftime. Atlanta hit five of their first six shots from the field, and they grabbed a 74-71 lead. Uh, but, you know, as, as, as in the NBA, the Bucs the Bucks were going to make a run. Uh, Hawks fans knew this, and it was really Giannis Antetokounmpo taking advantage of some live ball turnovers, the, the worst turnovers that any NBA team can have. And when you have Giannis going downhill, it's really going to be hard to stop. And they took the lead right back at 84 to 83, but shortly after uh, the Hawks took his three-point lead. Yeah, I, I thought in the, the third, after the Hawks made the 11 to the four run, I thought we might have figured something out. And whenever you have those live ball turnovers like you're talking about, what – pours a little bit more of salt on the wound is when you let Giannis get downhill and you have a careless foul where it's just a a small slap down. I've always been a component of if you're going to foul somebody, make them shoot both free throws. Don't, don't give them the shot and a free free throw. Um, And we had some weak fouls on Giannis where he was easily able to get to the rim and finish them. And for the three point play, it's rough to win games whenever you have careless mistakes like that. Yeah, I remember I remember watching a game. It was the Bucs and, and the Pacers, I, I want to say like two weeks ago, and the Pacers commentators were getting so frustrated with how Indiana just kept fouling Giannis, but the fouls were always leading to N1 opportunities. It, it was something like five or six straight N1 opportunities for Giannis, and they kept saying, if you're going to foul him, that's fine. But you got to foul him harder. You can't give up that three-point play. And especially when Giannis, as, as, as a lot of NBA fans know, is not the best free-throw shooter out there. So if you want to put him on the line, put him on the line for two and don't give him a chance to get those three points. By far has to be the longest free-throw sequence ever known in the NBA history. The man spends 30 seconds to shoot one free-throw. It is excruciating to watch. <laughs> it is. You saw and you saw Bob Rathman joking joking about that uh, with Dominique Wilkins all along the broadcast. That was that was always one of the highlights. Always one of the highlights of Bob and Nick's signature signature game cast right there. When 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 they make jokes about Giannis at the line, it, it, it's hilarious. Yeah. So moving on to the fourth quarter, or well, well actually, actually Tim, before before we move on to the fourth quarter, I, I did want to point out one thing because. This guy, this guy was kind of forgotten because he didn't really have a great game. He didn't shoot the ball well. But Bogdan Bogdanovich hit a 30-point, three-point shot for the last possession of the Hawks to make this game only a one-point lead for the Bucs, 99-98, to heading into the fourth quarter. 
And you've, we've seen a lot of these shots as NBA fans. We've seen these shots have momentum, carry into the fourth. These tough buckets at the end of the shot clock or at the end of, at the, end of the game clock can really, can really uh, you know, put, a, put a hurt on the teams that, that give it up just because of the momentum that we play. The team says, we play defense for 24 seconds, but at, at, at 23.08 seconds, they hit, they hit a, they hit a, um, they hit a shot and you're like, Oh, what do we got to do? So that, that shot was huge. And I think that was the reason the Hawks were able to push for the majority, a lot of times in that fourth quarter, but unfortunately just seemed to run out of gas at the end as we're, we're going to get into here. Yeah. This, that, that shot's one of those morale killers where you, you thought you had a great defensive stop and then you went down and Milwaukee went down and got a bucket and the Hawks found a way to get Bogey that shot. Uh, well, I mean, I don't even think the Hawks even got Bogey that shot. I think Bogey got himself that shot off the screen. I agree. But what a beautiful! It was a beautiful shot, a long arcing shot that nothing but the bottom of the net. Yes, sir. But yeah, we not yeah, and and you can go ahead as we uh, as we move into the fourth here. Yeah, I felt like the the fourth quarter it was a back and forth slugfest in, until the last probably. Mm-hmm. Four minutes of the game, I felt like, you know, it was – I want to say that DeJounte and Trey went kind of back and forth in the fourth where it was Trey take a shot, DeJounte take a shot, and they were taking some really good shots up until that probably four-minute mark, and then Milwaukee hit a gas. And I also noticed that in the fourth that Milwaukee kind of changed their – defensive philosophy a little bit they stopped playing as much drop coverage and you can see brooke lopez standing more at the nail instead of dropping down and as we talked about in the beginning of this podcast that that could have been a strategy for them and if it was it was a darn good one yeah the hawks as you said really didn't have an answer in those final four minutes uh, to establish any offensive rhythm, Trey and Dejounte were making some some tough shots to to begin the fourth and kind of keep keep pace with the Bucks. But after a Cameron Payne three to put Milwaukee up one nineteen one fourteen, it it that shot really kind of took the wind out of the Hawks' sails. I believe uh, the bench at the bench points at that moment, Bucks were winning that thirty six to twenty, and when when campaign hits that shot. You notice you can't help but notice that the Hawks had an opportunity to foul campaign out of this game with with more than five with more than you know, five minutes to go when he hit that shot. But unfortunately, they never took advantage of it. And then when Damian Lillard comes into the game, you know what time it is, Dame time, and that late in the fourth quarter, and Hawks could not could not compete uh, offensively, which was weird in this game because normally the Hawks got a lead offense. It's the defense that we got to worry about. But down the stretch. Uh, I think the offense kind of is what did them in ultimately. Yeah, we could go into the the player portion of this. Uh, also, we'll, we'll start out with the bench and work our way to the starters. Um, the first guy I want to start with is um, Wesley Matthews. I, I thought overall he had a decent game. He only had one point, but he had some really solid defense when DeAndre Hunter came off the floor. I thought he did a real good job with Middleton. Um, Middleton was quiet in the third and fourth quarter. Um, I think that the combination between him and Hunter did, did a great job. And 
I'm not going to complain about his minutes. I thought he was fairly well tonight. Yeah. Um, similar to Wes Matthews. Now you got Garrison Matthews coming in with seven minutes. And, you know, score, he, he, got, he got a foul, turned the ball over, got a rebound. But I think the biggest thing you're going to get with Garrison Matthews, and similar to Wes Matthews, is hustle. Uh, the Hawks, the Hawks got Garrison Matthews fr- from the Rockets because, large part, he's one of the league's leaders in charge when he gets these minutes. A charge is taken when he gets these minutes, and we saw him take a charge in in this game that le- that led to a bucket on the other end for the Hawks out of that uh, off that turnover. So I, th- I think he did a good job at his minutes as well. Nothing nothing too nothing too terrible, nothing too great, but solid job from from both the Matthews. All right, so moving on to Yeka Kongwu. He had 27 minutes, five points. He had uh, he went 0 for 2 on threes. He had four rebounds. A little underwhelming for me. Um, I felt like OO is trying to find his niche in this game where normally he has been daunted the task of guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he has done a great job, um, you know, at doing that. Uh, Felt like tonight where we we used Clint a lot more on Giannis than Onyeko because we were trying to run those four or five lineups that he couldn't really get in his group. Yeah, that's a good observation there. Bogey is next, 6 of 18 from the field, so an off – Uncharacteristic bad shooting night for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Ended with 14 points. Still got those two steals. Added a block and three rebounds. So rare, rare off night shooting for Bogey. But uh, I, I thought in, in general you got you got what you wanted from Bogey. Still launched those seven threes. Uh, but just just a rare off night uh, shooting for Bogey because you know he's you know he's going to get in there and launch the shots. That's what he's here to do. And he and he do, and he does that nightly. Uh, but in this game. I felt a lot of those shots, especially in the second half, were a bit rushed. I thought the shot quality in the first half was better. They just weren't going in. But down the stretch, I did feel like Bogey a little bit was was rushing and kind of pressing whenever he got that ball launching up those contested threes. Yeah, that's, it was a rough night for Bogey. Moving on to Clint Capella, uh, he had you know 30 minutes tonight, 10 points, 17 rebounds. Um, one steal and three blocks. I, I think that the the rebounds might confuse some people on that box score. I, I thought Clint Capella struggled pretty mightily um, tonight, and I think that you know with seventeen rebounds, it's, if you look at that, it's hard to say. But a lot of those come off of his tip shots on putbacks, his offensive rebounds you know, are, are all going right back at the rim. And I think that's something that probably Capella needs to work on is, is kicking the ball out more for second chance opportunities for other players. I feel like whenever he gets an offensive rebound, it's always back up for him. And whenever you do that, you kind of limit your second chance scoring that way. Uh, DeAndre Hunter finished this game with – not not the greatest line. 12, 12 points, two steals, one board. He shot three of ten from the field. Did hit all of six of his free throws, and he's been he's been a really great free throw shooter at, uh, at a, uh, lately. So that's great. But weird stat from DeAndre Hunter here. 
He missed every single shot he took that was not a free throw after the first quarter. That is not what you want to see against a guy being defended by Chris Middleton and Damian Lillard um, on for most of the night. You, and that's kind of and this may play into what the Bucks wanted to do with you know Trey and Dejounte taking all the shots, especially in the mid range, and just not being able to compete with the three point shots the Bucks were launching. That that maybe was the plan. Uh, but regardless, I think Hunter needed to be more aggressive. And with how he's played lately, offensively stepping up without Jalen Johnson, we need him to be more aggressive for us to win more games, for the Hawks to win more games. Yeah, and his, his free throws as of lately, I don't think he's missed one in the last six games. Um, and him constantly getting to the line is a good thing for him. All right, yeah. so moving on to uh, Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay has seven points. Uh, he went four from six from three, which is really good. And he had nine rebounds, which is a great night from Sadiq Bay. Yeah, he's um, 17. 17, not seven. <laughs> he has 17 points, Sadiq. Yeah, seven, 17 points. Yeah. Okay. 17 points, nine rebounds. Um, I think that. You know, for Sadiq, it's just defensively for us. Like, uh, I think the more that he can become a team defender, the better off the Hawks will be. Better off, yeah. Um, Dejounte Murray was part of that. Was part of that electric offensive backcourt for the Hawks. Thirty points, twelve and nineteen shooting, four of six from three. Also added two steals, three assists, and two rebounds. And when you have two elite guards like the Hawks have. They're gonna play well against the Bucks drop coverage. That's that's just how it goes. Uh, but when you know you have guards like Damon Damon Lillard who ended up with 25 on an efficient 10 of 16 from the field on the other side, and Giannis Antetokounmpo with a 32 point, uh, 10 assists, 11 rebound triple double, taking a lot of these mid rangers may ultimately not be enough to score with the high powered offense that that the Bucks have. And I think ultimately that's what. What caused what caused the Hawks the downfall, especially late in that fourth quarter? Yeah, and for and for the guy that I thought you know had the best performance tonight was Trey Young. Trey Young had thirty two and twelve. Uh, he also had two steals. He shot um, five from thirteen from three, which is a little bit better than what he's been averaging as of lately. Uh, I thought he did a great job in drop coverage. Um, I, I mean. Trey, Trey Young's on a run right now where, you know, over his last six games, he's averaging 32. And uh, yeah. Yeah, Trey, Trey right now, Trey right now is, is really playing well. You're seeing the shots go in. And when Trey can discover the the efficiency or even close to the efficiency that he had in 2021 or just a couple ticks better than last year it's it's going to it's going to be scary for the league he he's really figuring out playing some of the best basketball of his career especially in the playmaking especially in the playmaking area like you said you know 12 assists but 12 assists to four turnovers that assist to turnover ratio right now for Trey Young is at a career high so Keep, uh, Hawks fans definitely love to see this from Trey. Yeah, he's been really great as of lately. Really, really great. Yeah. All right, so, Mike, are you ready to move on to the Nets? Yes, we got got the Brooklyn Nets coming into State Farm Arena on Wednesday. 
Tim, I I think this game is liable to be another track meet offensive slugfest. Mikhail Bridges, last time he came to Atlanta, 40-burger, tied a career high, and he and Trey back and forth for overtime. And, and as, as we know, DeAndre Hunter is Hawks' best wing defender. He is most likely going to guard Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges is not the quickest guy. He, he has a decent handle, but he, it's not like he's trying to get by defenders every possession. I think this is a prime candidate for a guy that DeAndre Hunter can really make it tough on and make him take tough shots. If he hits them, so be it. But I think this is uh, a game where Hunter, with the past few games, he's been good offensively besides the Bucks game, but he's been really good offensively over the pa- past few games overall. I think this is a game where he can reestablish himself on the defensive end after a few rough games on that on that side of the ball. Yeah, and for Hunter, he, he uh, in the last Brooklyn game we played that went into overtime, he had 25 and 11. Um, DeAndre Hunter is not really known for double-doubles, but any night you can get from him is definitely a good night. Um, for Trey Young, Trey Young, the last game against Brooklyn, had 43 and shot eight from 16 from deep. Like, I think that Trey likes the way that Brooklyn defends him. Um, I think that with the run that Trey's on now, that we're looking for another, you know, great game from Trey. And in overtime, Trey had 14 points. And, you know, on the other side, Bridges had 11 points. I think that them two going head-to-head is always a fun matchup to watch. And to get to watch it again, you know, a a few weeks later after watching it, um, there will be some adjustments from from both teams. And and it's fun to see, you know, which way these teams go with the, you know, adjustments. Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences you'll see from this game on Wednesday compared to the last matchup against the next uh, the Nets, which is ironically on, on Wednesday as well, is Cam Thomas is back. Cam Thomas is an elite scorer in this league. Doesn't do much else, but he is an elite bucket getter. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Hawks switch the coverages. I would assume that DeJounte Murray is going to be the primary assignment for Cam Thomas. That stopping him and Mikhail Bridges is 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 going to be a difficult task. Task, but I I want I'm really interested to see how the Hawks can defend this team because they get up a lot of threes, similar to the Pacers. They're also really high. They're also like to run the ball, similar to the Pacers. And we all know what happened in that Pacers game, one fifty seven to one fifty two, one of the craziest games you'll see in the NBA for years to come. So let's see if this game turns into another one of those because I have a feeling it might. Yeah, and and kind of closing this one out, I, I would say that this game's kind of probably be around that one thirty, one thirty six, something like that. I, I think that scoring will not be a problem for either team. It's who can get stops at the end. Yeah, both both of these teams are top ten in offensive rating right now. So so like you said, Tim. Definitely going to be definitely going to be a, a candidate for both teams to be scoring 130 plus, and that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at Pinwizard 300, and you can also follow Tim at Tim Hawks 23. 
Be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.